This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. this car you gotta have the latest gadget and you buy the latest tv and i love this one commercial that showed this guy i got the latest tv it's a huge 60 inch tv it has all the bells and whistles and just as he puts it up he see his neighbor across the street that had a better and bigger one it's a newer one he said, i just got this or they said this was the latest one yeah but that was that was two days ago there's a newer one now and you just gotta keep up you know it's impossible we're not content But it's something you have to learn. Our society is pretty driven by things. And all of the information that we're bombarded by pushes the feeling of contentment just out of our reach. So we strive to get the next thing, and the next, and the next. Pastor Eddie shares with us today that contentment isn't just something we can find by adding more to our lives, but that it's something that we can learn, even in the middle of our insatiably consumeristic world. Well... Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 as he continues his message, False Teachers in True Contentment. If you're a Christian employee, employer, a boss, a supervisor, manager, you too need to set a testimony. Don't abuse your authority. You know, learn how to communicate with people. And that's what Paul gives us in, in when he uh, wrote his letter to uh, the church in Colossae for masters. Verse 2, he says, And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Again, everything we do, everything you do. Now, you know, coming to church, worshiping God and being fed the word of God. And yeah, that's, we were supposed to do those, those things. But that's just a fraction of what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Most of what you do is out there. You come in here and you grow in the word of God and God shows us in his word how we ought to conduct ourselves, how we ought to live, how we ought to love one another and how we're to be employees and employers outside. Everything we do, we do unto the Lord. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter six, verse 10, he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household. And so if you have a master who's a boss, we are to do good. Do good, especially to those who are in the household. So since both employees and employers, Christians, interested in doing good, we should serve one another get together and, and helping one another and encouraging one another, you know? If things are rough at, at work and you, have, and you know a believer is struggling, he says, hey, come alongside them, pray with them, encourage them. And at the end of verse 2, he says, teach and exhort these things. And that's what we do here. 
Paul is telling Timothy, young pastor Timothy, Timothy, I know there's some masters and slaves in Ephesus, in the church of Ephesus. There's some bosses, there's some supervisors, and there's some uh, employees there. You tell them how they ought to conduct themselves. You tell them they're to honor their masters. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. And whatever you do, this is the verse I wanted to read before. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So it's not to your boss. Yes, you're obedient to what your boss said, but you do it heartily to the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Everything you do, whether it's here, ministry here in the church, whether taking care of things at home, at work, everything we do, we do unto the Lord. So that's in verses one and two. It deals with masters and servants. We call them today employees and employers. Now in verses three to five, Paul is going to draw attention to false teachers. In verse three, he says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. False teachers would always teach otherwise. Anything and everything outside the scriptures. Even replacing the words of Christ. He says, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The words that we find in the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They even have rejected the words of Christ. The reasons we find over and over again, Paul gives us warning after warning. Almost every letter, almost every book in the New Testament gives us warnings about false teachers. Why? Because they're false teachers. People don't get it. They're lazy and picking up their Bible. And so they believe everything that they hear. And I always encourage you, don't believe everything I say. As you follow every word I say, you're following Eddie. You shouldn't be following. You're following Jesus Christ. Take notes. Go to the Facebook page. Go to the YouTube page. Go to, go to the website and, and listen again and see what I'm saying is in Scripture. If not, come and tell me. But don't take the word. Test everything. John tells us, don't believe everything, but test everything. See if they have the Lord. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You could be told anything and you believe it because it sounds believable. But when you take it and you line it up according to scripture, you find that it is not of the Lord. It's not biblical. We're so lazy. We need to open up the Bible and read it. The reason why they're false teachers, because number one, which is obvious, the enemy is working. He's not done yet. He still has a bag of tricks left. He knows that Jesus Christ is coming soon. He's not going to give up. The only time he'll give up is when the church is gone. And even then, during the seven years of tribulation, while we, the church, who believes in Jesus Christ, would be with him, he still has work to do. But until he gets cast into the lake of fire, he's going to keep going. And he'll keep going a lot further than the Easter Energizer Bunny. (laughs) He'll keep going. He has one thing in mind. It's to destroy man. The second reason why they're false teachers is because people believe them. They believe them. They don't want to open up their Bible. They rather believe, okay, what he says is true. How do you know it's true? They believe him. That's why they're false teachers. If there was a false teacher sent by the enemy and nobody's listening to him, he wouldn't go too far. But because there is always a following, there's always people following what other people teach and not lining up with scripture. Oh, but every time I listen to him, he has such a great smile on TV. Oh, but wow, yeah, he waves his Bible, he doesn't read it. 
But man, he makes me feel good in his message. Do you see he has almost 50,000 people in the arena? He hit the top belly cell of 10 step to the belly to you. He makes me feel good. Second Timothy chapter four, verses three to five, it says this, but the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We're already there. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, it sounds great. They will heap up for themselves teachers. That's what they're doing. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. You be watchful in all things. Don't believe everything and anything. Study the word of God. If the word of God, or if you hear anyone that teaches, you love teach, you love the way they teach, and it makes you feel good, and that's all you get is feeling good, then you need to reevaluate your relationship with Jesus Christ. Then you really need to read the Bible because you're not reading the Bible. Because when sometimes when I read the Bible, I get convicted. Sometimes I get uncomfortable because I know it's a conviction. The Holy Spirit has not stopped working in Pastor Eddie because he's a pastor. No. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ. The Holy Spirit continue to work in your life until you stand before Christ with your glorified body. And until then, if all you do is feel good, then you're really not being spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Because we all are not perfect. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, Paul said, if you say you without sin, you call him a liar at first, John. You call him a liar, and John, is writing, and John is writing to Christians. And we need to be careful with false teachers. I don't care if they have the best-selling book. I don't care if they're the most popular. I don't care if all your friends posting a, a five-minute video on Facebook, on YouTube, and it makes you feel good. See what they're saying. See if it's biblical. And that's all they want to do is tickle your ears. They want to tickle your ears. That's all they want to do. Now, notice what Paul uses. He uses the word wholesome words, wholesome words in verse three. Again, because the words of Christ, the words of Christ, it is healthy. We don't live by, the, by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We eat bread that perishes, but this is the bread that never perishes. This is the bread that, yeah, it makes you feel good, encourages you, but it also convicts you. And there are a lot of false teachers that won't teach you that. The word of God, it feeds our soul. It's life for us. This is life. This is the manual for everything and anything. You name it, this will give you life. It will give you wisdom. It's filled with promises for those who are consistent and maintain and stay the course. And it's life. It's life. I'm telling you, it's life. It's life. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, speaking of himself, he will live temporarily? No, forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He was nailed to the cross. He gave his flesh. He willingly went to the cross to die for us. That's why when we take communion, we remember him. Remember that bread. He is the bread of life. 
He is the word. John, the gospel of John, in John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14, the word became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Telling you, saints, the word of God is food for the soul. It is life. Verse four, and he, speaking of the false teacher, and he is proud. He is proud. One thing you find about a false teacher, they, they are prideful. God hates sin. Is obviously that sin separates man from God. There's one sin that's mentioned quite often all over the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it has to deal with pride. How did Lucifer, Satan, fall? Pride. Pride. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23, 24. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. But this for in these I delight, says the Lord. Don't be prideful of anything that you have or what you can do, your wisdom, your strength, your talents. Rejoice in the Lord, the things that we know the Lord. James chapter four, verse six, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. So the false teacher is is proud, and he says in verse 4, knowing nothing. He knows nothing. Now, taking it from Paul, I believe Paul, trust me. Paul is a scholar. He knows the word. If Paul says he knows nothing, he knows nothing. Paul had to point this out at the beginning of this letter. If you remember, we first began in chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says this. Desired to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Even at the very beginning, warnings about false teachers. Where do they like to come into the church? They come into the church. Sometimes they come out of the church. It's never a surprise that false teachers come out of the church. Lucifer came out of heaven, out of the angelic, tired angelic host. Judas came out of the twelve <laughs> There are many false teachers that are coming out of the church. And they're proud. They're prideful. They profess to have super knowledge. However, he has nothing to be proud about because he knows nothing. Now, they're too busy. You can see that you'll find in, in one of these things, Paul is actually giving us some of the things that you, how we can identify false teachers. And it's important to pay attention. Because most of the time, they're, they're so busy and focusing on themselves. It's all about themselves. As they continue to teach, what Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, as the doctrines of demons. Other doctrines, that's what they'll do. But how would you know? You have to study the word. Find out what they're teaching is truth. But that's all they care about. He says, verse 4, four he said, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes, arguments over words. For which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions. They're proud. They know nothing. They know nothing about the word of God. His conversations are not even matters about biblical doctrine sometimes. And you talk to them, you find out they want to take you away from the scriptures. 
the conversation. Well, well, you know, let's, what about this? In ancient times, there were these people. No, let's stick to the word of God. Before ancient times, there's a God who created before, created, who was there before ancient times. And we have his word. We have his truth. And so they're obsessed with disputes, arguments of words, envy, strife. In verse 5, he says, useless wrangling of men of corrupt minds, a destitute of the truth. Because false teachers, their minds are corrupt, and because they have turned away from the truth of the gospel, he'll always cause trouble in the church. Who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Godliness is a means of gain. And hoping that they can challenge your belief and challenge the doctrines and the scriptures only to have a following and financial support. That's what you find in in the Christian channels. Sad to say. 75% of them are just prosperity preachers and teachers. And they're asking for money. I, I always say, if they're on TV, they don't need money. It's tens of thousands of dollars. Meanwhile, there are local churches that really could use support, other ministries. But yet, they need $54 million for a new jet. That's what one, he had two other jets, he needed a third one. Some of these TV evangelists or preachers, teachers, have three or four mansions. Again, people not doing their research, they're not doing their homework. They're not. Oh, I like what he said. He makes me feel good. I get the goosebumps now. Oh, here it goes. How much you want? It's like, you know, a bug looking at those bug lights. Oh, it's glowing. How much you want? That sounds so good. (laughs) We suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And is it from such withdraw yourself? That's what he said. Listen, withdraw yourself from me. Stay away from those people. Very simple. And I'm going to give you a list here. Any teacher, preacher, or pastor, number one, who teaches another doctrine, who does not take even the words of Jesus Christ, who is proud, obsessed with disputes, arguments over words, and his, the fruit of, of his character, envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, if they fit any or they have any of these characters Stay away, Paul says. Stay away. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, it's a command. He's commanding you. You see this, you stay away. It's as a parent would tell their child, stay away from that kid. You know, he's bad news. He's in trouble. He's, he's 13 years old. He already has a rap sheet. There's a warrant out for his rest, you know. Stay away from him. So Paul says, stay away, false teachers. Doesn't matter if they're popular again. Even have the best-selling books, stay away. Now, verses 3 to 5, false teachers. Now we're going to look at verses 6 to 10. True contentment. True contentment. Verse 6, it says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. It's different from the previous verse, isn't it? The false teacher will give you the false definition of gain. Here in verse 6, Paul says, godliness with contentment is not only gain but he says great gain you want gain how about great gain but if 
is godliness with contentment. And godliness is not something you work to or try to obtain. We are godly in a sense because we belong to God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Uh, you know, practically we need to, we need to work uh, in everything we do. We, we have to set the example, give a testimony, live a life that glorifies God. We're complete in Christ. So the godliness is there. We put on his righteousness, not because of anything we've done, but because he, what he's done. So the combination of godliness with contentment gives great gain. Contentment means to be satisfied and sufficient and to seek nothing more than what one has. That's what it means to be content. We live in a materialistic world, and I think we're so immune to it that we don't realize it because we live in America. But we're spoiled. And listen, I include myself. There's some things I'd rather have because it's just convenient or because I want it. I'm not perfect. I like what Warren Risby defines contentment. He writes this, an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of our outward circumstances. That's contentment. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. Because as Christians, we have all that we need because we have Jesus Christ. Now, to be content, now you have to look at everything you have. Because I could guarantee you if there's a person here that probably has the least this that has the least among all of us if we were to just figure out what we have even the person that has the least in this room or even in America has more than the people in a third world country but we need to learn to be content and that's what it is it's something that has to be learned learn in the same way we learn that we need things the tv ads the billboards the commercials on tv you got to have this and it's funny how they want to sell you a car, and they break all the laws just to sell your car. They're going reckless driving. Just show what the car can do. You got to have this car. You got to have the latest gadget, and you buy the latest TV. I love this one commercial that showed this guy. I got the latest TV. It's a huge 60-inch TV. It has all the bells and whistles, and just as he puts it up, he sees his neighbor across the street that had a better and bigger one. It's a newer one. He said, I just got this, or they said this was the latest one. Yeah, but that was, that was two days ago. There's a newer one now. And you just got to keep up, you know, it's impossible. We're not content, but it's something you have to learn. We're so, you know, we get so caught up. Even if you're on Facebook, all the ads are there. YouTube, all the ads are there. How about this? Hey, shop now, press here. Everywhere, it's just, you have to have things, 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 things. But we have to learn to be content, something you have to learn. This is what Paul said. This is what Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, he writes this. Not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This should be the goal of a Christian. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Timothy with us here on Running the Race. There's so much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. 
for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry and you'd like to know how you can partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.